Um, so before uh, we got started, um, the first service, I was uh, in the office with Curtis and, and just mentioned as his boy, it seems like um, things have really um, started to go well for you. And he said, well, it might seem like that, but this is, a, this is a hard industry. And even though you got those statistics over a million streams or whatever it is and all of this kind of stuff, it's, it's, it's not an easy business to be in. And a lot of people don't realize that or they don't realize how hard it really is. Um, so share with us just a little bit about how God brought you um, to the point where you're at now and, uh, and, and how you decided to really trust him. For sure. Well, it's, de- it's more difficult when you're leading with Jesus, but it's definitely more satisfying when you actually, there's a legit purpose for doing it. Um, I grew up in the church, uh, so we were there every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and from very early on, um, I, I, I kind of felt that conviction, and, and, I, and I got it. I understood the concept of sin and what that meant, um, and, and the whole purpose of Jesus and the sacrifice he made on the cross for my sin, and, and the need for salvation to save me from, from an eternity in hell for, for yeah. what I deserve yeah. uh, as a sinner. And and so I got I got saved the day before I turned nine. It was the end of a revival service, and that night in bed I started crying and just got hit with a ton of bricks of conviction. And my dad came in there and asked what was going on, and I was explaining to him how I felt like I needed to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior right now. I yeah. could not wait, and um and and he wanted to make sure that I wasn't just having an emotional response to something. So he said, tomorrow we'll go sit down with the pastor and just talk about it. And so we did that, and uh, and I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior in a little pastor's office, East Mountain Baptist Church, um, 1994, I believe. But that's where I was as as a nine-year-old, and, and, I, and I felt different than most other kids at my school in that age group as far as knowing not just right from wrong, but actual conviction about why we needed to to live for Christ and not ourselves. And so pretty active in the youth group. Yeah. Um, and, and baseball was, was my thing. That's what I really enjoyed doing, and, and I was pretty good at it. Made the varsity team as a freshman. I was a starter. And uh, I think it was probably my sophomore, maybe junior year, I started going to the parties with my baseball buddies, and that's when I was introduced to alcohol and and uh, of course, the temptation with with uh, females yeah. <laughs> increased Imagine. in high school as well. So I hit that point to where it was no longer like temptation from lying and stealing and just like yeah. stuff that kids go through. It was kind of the next level of temptation. And um, and that's where your faith really starts getting tested, I feel like. Yeah. And so that's where I was in, into high school, going into college. Well, when I was in school, at least if I was going out to party on Saturday, I, I, my parents made sure I was at church on Sunday. And, and it wasn't that I, that I wasn't convicted for this stuff. I just ignored it and, and kind of chose to, yeah. to turn my back on it. Um, so when I went to college, I didn't go to church, didn't get in the Word, and prayer was pretty limited to blessing food if that um and that's when i discovered this music thing my roommate had a guitar another guy on our baseball team and so i started messing with his guitar and and um kind of went through a breakup with with my i got engaged actually freshman year and we broke up i'd quit baseball for for, to, to to get married and when that fell through music is what i filled that void with and and then everything else i was doing at the time 
Next year, I moved down to San Marcos, which is south of Austin, Texas, and kind of where a live music hub was. So really increased on the music stuff, and um, I was on (laughs) academic probation and then suspension. So here I was. I had to take time off from college, and so I said, all right, we'll see what happens with this music thing since since I don't really have anything else to, to be obligated to at the time. And... Wound up winning a local radio contest to open for Kenny Chesney, so that was a big, big step on the on the ladder, and kind of got us outside of this Austin region that we were playing at the time. And then three years after that, I was on season one of The Voice, uh, so that was national exposure, and and I made it to top eight. And and uh, towards the end of the show, I met a guy who was the the ASCAP, the, the publishing representative from Nashville, and he said, when the show's over, come to town. So he was my introduction into Nashville. And so imagine in a very short period of time going from never have touched a guitar or sang in front of people to now you've played on stage with Kenny Chesney and been on The Voice and plugged into Nashville. So it all happened really fast. And um, I've been doing this for about 12 years now. And about six years into that, I started having a ton of conviction about not only how I was living, um, the content of my songs, and just kind of what my whole purpose of doing music was. Just, Just pretty selfish and trying to make it and be as successful as possible in the music industry if that's what I was going to do. Um, And so the conviction was was not only how I was living as a Christian, as a believer, and just completely running God's name through the mud, and uh, and just the the hypocritical aspect of that. Another thing was, not only was I doing that to myself, I was just destroying every opportunity that I had to witness or reach someone else. Because why? Why should they listen to me, or 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 follow Jesus when I'm living this way, no different or worse yeah. than 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 a lot of non-believers? And uh, so that was a pretty tough pill to swallow. And the third tier of that was God had given me this talent, this gift, very late in the game, and here I was on such a big platform. Yeah. And I wasn't using that talent for him. I was just using it for me. And so all these things rolled up into one, really hit a head. Uh, I was on the way to the gym one night, about midnight, and um, this Andre Crouch song, Through It All, came on the radio, one of them, one of them random things. And, and it really shined the spotlight on the fact that through how I was living, through the fact that, that I just kind of turned my back on God, and and just was completely way off track in 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 my walk. Um, that he still loved me. That he still was right there with me. That he still provided for me. He still blessed me. Like that's that's really tough when you you ex, you know just from a fleshly mindset. Oh, when you're serving the Lord, you know it, then then it doesn't feel far stretched when when he blesses what yep. you're doing. But when you're not following him and walking with him. And he still blesses you. That just shows you how much of abundance and grace and mercy that he has on us. And um, and I and I firmly believe that's because he knows where we're going, and he knows in a few years if you're going to be using this this blessing that he's given you for his glory and honor. And uh, and obviously he's orchestrating everything. Even though yeah. when we get in the, the way and deviate from the path and mess it up. He's still he's still doing it all for his for his greater plan, um, and so that that was the moment where 
I said, all right, I've been living this way, and this is wrong. And, and, and I needed to repent of how I was living. So I just laid it all out and said, from, from now on, Lord, I'm going to live for you. Because there's a difference between just, just being saved for the fire insurance versus being saved and then truly walking with Christ and growing yeah. in Him. Um, and so from that point on, I said, all right, I, if I'm going to do music, like I want to do it for you. And my initial thought was just go lead worship at a church or go remove myself from that environment that, that had just been full of temptation. And, and God said, no, like I put, I put you there for a reason. So whatever you think you're going to do at a church on Sunday morning, do that where people actually really need to hear it more than anything uh, on Friday and Saturdays in bars, honky tonks, rodeos, wherever. Um, and so that's kind of the path, the path that I, that I set out on. And uh, as a result of that, the next month I had a meeting in Nashville with my management team and we were supposed to promote or push this radio single called Keg Party, which you know, you don't have to be very creative to imagine what this song is about. Um, <laughs> And I told him, I was like, look, guys, like, I don't drink anymore, and, and I really don't want to promote this kind of material. I want to do more positive, faith-based, uplifting stuff. Someone, that, someone that's going to leave someone in a better spot after they hear the song, not drag them down into a worse spot. And uh, one, one guy out of 12 sitting around this table uh, came up to me afterwards and, and basically said, I pre- that's awesome. I appreciate it. Good for you. Wow. Um, this was in September. In December... I got dropped from this management company and my booking agent. The only one that stayed with me was my radio promoter. Um, and also that trip, it was the first time that, that I went into a co-write and prayed before we wrote, wrote a song that day. And that's, uh, we'll, we'll do that song in a minute. Um, but I didn't know exactly what pursuing that route would lead to. I, of course, my hesitations were okay well how can how's this going to work in, a, in an environment industry and in a scene that really is wrapped around you know partying drinking cutting up having a good time um but i'd written these songs in in my still have my radio promoter yeah. so i said well i'll record these songs that that didn't get approved before because i'm have to pay for it now so i get to call all the shots nobody's telling me what i can or can't do and if this is the last record i ever put out at least it's putting out something that's going to give glory and honor to God. And so I did that, and it wound up being my most successful album uh, at that time. And and then the song that I wrote, uh, it's called Born to Die, straight up, the gospel, three minutes, lays it out there. If it was the last single that I ever sent to radio, like, I wanted to go out with a bang, you know? And then it was also going to be kind of a litmus test of, well, if this works, then nothing else is going to be on this extreme end of just gospel. So, so. I gotta go ahead to to pursue this this avenue as 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 I saw fit, I guess. And uh, so we released it, went number one on Texas charts. And there's another another thing called Power Source, which is like a national, um, regional, secondary radio. Which is if you don't have a big label deal, then then you can play this game. You know, the minor leagues yep. radio. If you will. Uh, so went number one on that. The first time we'd ever sent out a song down that route, and it was just confirmation of like just. God's in control, right? No matter what we think, no matter how much you're going against the grain, if you're like doing it for him, either it's where you're supposed to be and he'll take care of it, or he'll shut that door, open another door and get you where you're supposed to be. Um, And so that was, 
like six years ago. So, yeah. and, and we've been able to stay relevant. Um, most venues have continued to book us. The ones that have not booked us again because we were too Jesus-y are not really places that we wanted to play anyways. You yeah. know? The ones where, where um, it, it's kind of a, a blessing that, that, that God pulls you out of those environments and then opens up other opportunities elsewhere. Um, and obviously the, the, the album sales have continued to do well, which keeps the revenue stream going, which kind of funds this, this whole endeavor. Um, and I've been, I've been very blessed to have a group of guys behind me, my band that, that, and and all of them are ministry focused. So, so when we got to show, we play, we play some originals and, uh, then we throw in, I saw the light and we'll play some more originals and I'll do a testimonial kind of song to set that up. And then at the very end of our set, we end with Rattle, Graves in the Gardens, uh, Raise a Hallelujah, Sometimes See a Victory, and then, then Born to Die. And regardless of why someone comes to the show, whether it's just party, have a good time, or they came to hear one of my older songs, yeah. um, the, what I want them to leave with and think about on their way home is, is, is this song. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that Jesus loves them, you know, right, right where they are. And I don't think it's a coincidence that, that anything happens in, in any group of people or in one place at one time. And when you simplify that down to, to every single person you meet is an opportunity, you know, yeah. what, are, what are we doing with that opportunity? Um, then, it, then it just really kind of magnifies the idea of divine appointments, right? Yeah. Uh, so anyways, that's kind of the whole, my whole passion and purpose of, of doing music now is just music being the vessel, opportunity to witness and reach people in some dark places. And, and I, could, yeah. I could go into detail about, there's some weird spiritual warfare going on in, in these places that just appear to be a bar or a honky-tonk or whatever. And so much to the point that when we kick into the worship section of our show, there's there's usually two reactions or three there's there's one people that don't want anything to do with it and they just leave they go to the farthest bar away from from <laughs> us number two you'll have people that that will just full-blown hands raised start worshiping but overall it just gets quiet you know those places are pretty loud you can yeah got to yell to talk to someone right next to you yeah. and it just gets really quiet so you can see the dynamic the spiritual dynamic of the room change in that moment when 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 you yeah. start spreading the light and um and that was that was eye opening to me cuz you hear the the fact that 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 light and darkness don't mix right yeah. Yeah. and even when even when Jesus encountered the demons like they had no choice but to to fall down and yeah. worship him right yeah and so a pastor friend of mine was explaining that one day. He's like, you know what's going on, right? And and so from then on, we see it happening. And I just look at my band. I was like, yeah, you see this? <laughs> like, this this yeah. is cool to be able to experience firsthand. So so there's a lot more going on uh, in some of these places than just, than just what you see um, physically. But nonetheless, that's, that's kind of how I went from church to way off wherever I was and, yeah. and back to, to doing music and using this talent for God instead of myself. All right. Um, there's a few things that I heard. That, that time when you felt that conviction, and it's amazing how God can use a song and you know music resonates with you, and that Andre Crouch song, what was the name of it again? Through It All. Through It All. Um, Curtis recorded that. You can go to his Facebook page and, um, and listen to that along with all of his other music. I want to encourage you to share that also. 
You know, what's interesting is you go to Facebook and you see all kinds of stuff shared and it's not all that wholesome. And um, one of the ways in the body of Christ that we can support um, individuals with a platform like this is, is go like their pages, share it where you can, go to his website, um, uh, all of that. So God brought you to this place of conviction. And then you made a commitment. And you didn't know what was going to happen after that. Uh, you didn't know how people were going to respond to that. And, um, and how... Like, how has God just confirmed over and over again that it's worth it, that it's worth following Jesus? So originally my thought was, okay, I'm going to face a lot of backlash because this, this industry, there's that rub, right? There's that rub to where even sometimes when people are believers, when, when we're engaging in a lifestyle that, that doesn't necessarily gel with the Christian walk, sometimes you just don't want to hear about it, right? And, yeah. and it all, it's all rooted in conviction, right? When, when you're trying to witness to someone, or even when you're in a, in a group of people and, and you're just different, you're trying to hold yourself to a higher standard, and sometimes they have a problem with that. It's not, they don't have a problem with you. They have a problem with that conviction that they're struggling with and knowing that that's what they should do, but they don't want to because this is funner or whatever fleshly desire they're given into, that I gave into, that, that kind of we're all guilty of um, in some way or another. Um, so originally I was like, well, I don't know if this is going to work or how long it's going to last. Um, but I was so confident that if this is where I was supposed to be, then God would provide, right? He would keep the door open and just it would work. However, yeah. on him, not me, because... Yeah. I'm a firm believer of when we do it our way, then, then the, we have to accept the consequences that come with that. Yep. When we submit it to God, then the consequences are up to Him, however it works out, whether it's how we thought it was or usually it's better. Um, and so that's kind of that's where my mind was at. And it's interesting. I said a few venues haven't booked us, but every show, there's always at least one person that will come up and just either one, want to share their story with you. Two, we pray with a lot of people after shows. And, and all my guys are, are pretty comfortable with that. So that's, that's pretty incredible to get that, that one-on-one engagement yeah. um, after, after a show in a bar. Uh, and, and, and also, too, we always pray about reaching one person every night. It kind of keeps yeah. your focus off how many people are there or, or off the concert aspect and focused on the... Our main primary reason for being there is to shine light in the dark places and, yeah. and just and just point people to Jesus, right? We're we're not gonna be the ones changing their heart, the Holy Spirit's that, yeah. but but isn't it cool that 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 we've been given the, the responsibility of being the messenger to to point yeah. people to Jesus? Yeah. And um, and I think I think that's cool. So when we focus on the one, we pray for the one every night, there's always at least one. And yeah. um, and so that's that's kind of been encouraging and, and reassuring as well. On top of the the radio continuing yeah. to play it and and um, folks still listening to and buying music and just other opportunities that that have kind of piggybacked off of this. Uh, now we're, we're dabbling with some TV and film stuff that's coming along, and this is the part that that you don't necessarily think of. It's one thing when you write a song and the yeah. message points people to Jesus or just lifts them up. Yep. It's another thing when that song is played on the radio and now people are hearing it all over. Well, 
the fact that when you're promoting the songs on the radio, you're doing interviews along the way. Well, within those interviews, you start telling your story, then it leads back to Christ. So, so now yeah. every interview, every part of this music artist endeavor yeah. turns into an opportunity to reach folks. So, so that's stuff you don't think about. And, and for me, my platform is, is, is music and, and the people I meet along the way. But for, for every single person in here, we're all, you're, we're all in different, presented different opportunities, wherever, whatever your job is. And, and that's kind of, I think, what was what really clicked for me was, was this is where I am. Wherever you are, we need to be using that talent, that job, that position, that opportunity to, to share the gospel and point people to Jesus. And when you do that, then it no longer becomes about what you're doing, but what the purpose of where you are at that time and what you're doing with it. Um, and so, so yeah, I expect a lot of back backlash, but it's it's hasn't been that way. Quite the opposite, surprisingly. Yeah. I mean, and I, it's not taking anything away from the fact that that when you're doing it for God, obviously He's going to yeah orchestrate it. But just from a fleshly perspective, it's just hard to fathom that that someone leading with Christ would work in some of these places we're playing. Yeah. You have very much of a Peter story. You mentioned that in the first services. It's just, um, you know, got commitment. Uh, I'm going to follow Jesus. Failure. And then coming back. And and just that conviction and then commitment. And God's really used that. And so, um, you, you've answered this a little bit, but two questions. Why follow Jesus? And then why keep following Jesus? So you mentioned the Peter thing, and I and I've kind of used that reference quite a bit when when I talk about my my walk. Because uh, when you explain that you were saved, and then you go through something, do something, period of time, to where where you're not living for the Lord, some people will just assume that you weren't saved, right? Yeah. And and that's. That's not sometimes that may be true, but not necessarily always true. Because, like I said, Peter, I think it's safe to say, was a believer and follower of Christ, like yeah. physically, literally, um, and spiritually. And even Peter, right there, when he had Jesus right here, physically talking to him, engaging with him, still denied him, still fell. Right on one of the most crucial points in in the story, and um, so I don't think it would be safe to assume that Peter wasn't saved because of what he did, and also in the song David, the David reference. We, if you're familiar with David's entire life, if you were to get caught up on the the Bathsheba incident and the fallout from there. Then, then I don't think it would be safe to say that David wasn't necessarily a believer. I think, I think we fall and we slip up. And thankfully, Jesus didn't die for the sins we did. He died yeah. for all of them, this past, present, and future. And, uh, and it's not a Paul pass. It's not a, well, it's all right, I've been forgiven, so I can just do what I want. It's, it's, a, it's a humbling thing to say that even Though I fall short, his grace and mercy abound so much that he sees through that and he yeah. sees our heart and he sees and he sees the fact that we choose him over choosing ourselves. And so for me it was more about not just being content with having fire insurance and having salvation for Jesus to vouch for me 
in heaven. It's the fact that I need him every second of every day right now because we're navigating this broken world and and we engage with people that are going to do things intentionally or unintentionally that will set you off or stuff's going to happen. And you can choose to respond fleshly or choose to put it in God's hand. And uh, and when I when I wake up in the morning, start in prayer, get in the Word, and stay in constant prayer throughout the day, and not like knees on the ground, hands folded, just constant yeah. conversation. Like when you get to whatever pops in your head, hey, you need to do this or go do that, and then well, God, is this what I needed? You know, just constant yeah. bouncing everything off of Him, including Him in your daily walk. Then when those things do happen, your response is so much different, so much better yep. than, than, than you do when you don't, when you haven't been in prayer and haven't been in the Word, and you're just going and something happens, and boom, there's your fleshly response pops out. So, so I'm a firm believer that, that we need Jesus just as much now, if not more, right now, navigating this world than, than, than to vouch for us um, for eternal salvation. And that's kind of answers both of those questions in a way. Why, Jesus? I know that the more that I strive, I'm not perfect, I still fall, but the more I strive to pursue Him and walk with Him and live for Him, then then those misses, I always compare it kind of to a, a bullseye. You know, you have your boom, boom, your little tears, and then the bullseye being direct center. Yep. So, so the more you walk with Him, the more He reveals to you, and, and the, more you pers- the, the more you pursue righteousness and holiness, then the things that, that didn't convict us or didn't really stand out to us yeah. um, early on start to, start, to, start to pop out. You know, First, you deal with the, the big things that, that everybody yeah. can see, and then, then the more you focus and you try to work on those and really pray about that and ask, okay, God, deliver me from this temptation. I know I struggle with that. Well, then, then the things like anger or pride or ego or yeah. coveting, those things that nobody else might even know about start, start showing up on your radar screen. Yeah. And the more, you, the more you walk with him or pursue him, then, then, the, then the, the narrower those misses get. Um, and so that's the, the continuing to follow Jesus is because I don't know about you guys, but I know when, when you stop or when you fall off or when you slack off, then all of a sudden you take five steps back. Sometimes yeah. it's like half a step forward, five steps back yep. when, when, you, when you really get, um, we get undisciplined in, in our walk. Yeah. Um, but it, it's hard to sometimes put that into words because you want someone to experience it, right? When yep. you do it, when you yep. do it, like... Do you hear the phrase living your best life? Like that's living your best life. Like yep. it's not all these other little things that, that are temporary that feel good or whatever. Um, but that's ultimately living. And that's what, that's what you want people to, to understand and get. And it's, it's trying to get them to that point. Cause, cause you can't deny once, once you, once you have experienced that, then nothing else compares to it. Yeah. And um, in our actions and how we live are definitely more effective than, than our words when we're trying to 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 get someone to to realize that and, and want to experience that it's it's almost like how can you make people want to follow jesus because the, your life is is yep. and, and it's not perfect it's not good stuff still happens but you handle it as best as you can yep. and and people want that they may not say it but but if you see somebody over here that, that's very successful and things are going great and this and that, and they're just a nice person and they're always trying to help other people out, like, 
deep down, like you want to be that person, right? Yep. Or you, you definitely want to to share and experience those characteristics. Uh, and all that comes from from God, from yep. from Christ living in us, who's so much better than we'll ever be by ourselves. Yeah. That's just a powerful picture is, is you know, um, when we're not following Christ, is, is there's a lot of misses. And, and then, you know, faith in Christ, Lord, I don't want to do this my own way because this is what happens. I miss all over the place. And then faith in Christ and the misses don't go away this side of heaven. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fail. We're going to sin. Uh, there will be a day where that'll all be taken away. And, uh, and that's a little bit um, the song that you're going to sing is, is just, you know, that, um, what Jesus did for us. So I'm going to let you sing that song and then I'll come up and finish. But I want to pray for you. It's not easy being in a public eye, um, but God's given you um, this opportunity, and uh, He's using your story. And I think it's um, I think it's pretty powerful. So I want to invite you as a church um, to be praying for Curtis as his ministry. In fact, he has a ministry. If you go to Ten Finger Ten Finger Ministry dot com Ten Finger Ministry dot com. If you don't have a Bible, the church will buy one for you, but you can go to there, and you can put your information in, and they'll send you a Bible. Um, tell us just a tiny bit about that, and then okay. I'll pray for you, and you can share. That was, that was an interesting uh, conception in itself. So right kind of after all these changes I made in, in my personal life, my priorities, and in my spiritual walk, and, and I started posting music videos that I'd recorded, whether it be a worship song or a gospel song or something positive, uplifting on uh, Facebook, YouTube, and stuff. And people would comment asking if I would consider doing a gospel record. And I would reply, yes, I'd love to, but I don't have money laying around to record a side project. Um, and so if y'all would help me, then then I'll be glad to do it and just give it out to, for free just for people that like country music. And we already have a foot in the door. And here you, now you give them some, yeah. something that's of value spiritually for for country music fans. And so we did that and raised more than enough money to pay for the album and I didn't want to profit off of it. So I just put all that money into a, a ministry account and God put on my heart to to put Bibles on our merch table. Just to give everybody that wanted a Bible one and it's crazy because I took it for granted. Around my house growing up there were Bibles everywhere collecting dust some. And everybody doesn't have a Bible. For whatever reason, just never happened. And um, I know a lot of people use the phones or iPads or tablets, but it's, it's not the same as having a word that you can open up, highlight, underline, dig into, the, the physical thing. And it's kind of, you remove yeah. all the distractions around when you just dig into it. And then, of course, overseas, there, sees there are people getting persecuted just for, for having yeah. one in their possession. Yeah. Um, so that's how the Bible ministry came to fruition. And Started with Bibles on the merch table, and then I set up a website where people could go and request one, tenfingerministry.com, and then I'd have different mission groups reaching out, asking for Bibles in bulk, whether it was a large print for a nursing home or or some Spanish translations for mission trips, Um, and to date, we've given out over 6,000, and um, yeah, it's... Wow. Here's here's a... I didn't tell... Absolutely. So originally I thought, okay, well, Gideons are the ones who do the Bible thing. So I reached out to Gideons, and I never got a response. So I was like, well, I guess that means I'm just supposed <laughs> to do this by myself. But um, 
But I think it, it, it allowed a lot more flexibility, too, because they didn't have to go through a, another person. It was, hey, and, I'll, yeah. and also, too, I, I know every penny's going to Bibles. There's nobody taking a salary or yeah. for overhead or nothing. Like yeah. Every penny comes into here, every penny's been on Bibles. So yeah. that was the thing. And the name of the ministry came about. My grandfather passed away right when I was recording this gospel album. And he, he had nine fingers. He was roping a horse when he was little and lost a finger. And um, at his at his house after the funeral, we were talking about how now he has ten perfect fingers to worship the Lord. Um, and so I was like, "Well, we'll just call it Ten Finger Ministry," kind of in his honor. And, that's um, a story. That's how I got the name. Interesting. Random name. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, let me pray for you and pray for your family, and then would you share the song? And I'll come up and finish with a few things. Father God, thanks for Curtis, Lord. Thanks for his story. Lord, we know that there's a family that is at home every time he leaves and travels. And Lord, what an opportunity to be in bars and finish with a bar set, an ending bar set that honors you. So Father, I pray that you just use that more and more. And Lord, when churches like us can partner in prayer with, um, with individuals that can kind of be in places where I can't be as a pastor, or it's harder for me to be, Lord. I, I just pray, Lord, that you'd protect Curtis and protect his family, protect his kids. We know that oftentimes the best way to get to us is through our kids. And so, Lord, um, protect his kids. And then, Lord, continue to use this music. Um, Lord, I pray that more and more people would hear the good news through these songs, and ultimately it would lead them to your word. And, and Lord, that there would just be a, a cry in all of our hearts, we want to follow Jesus and do that as best as we can this side of heaven. And so thanks for your forgiveness and your presence, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks, Gerda. All right, so this song um, is what I usually end uh, all, of our, all of our sets with. And, um, and this is what I want on people's minds when, when they're heading home from the show, like I said. Um, and kind of leading up to it, introducing the song, this is the, the message that I, that I usually say is, is that regardless of why someone, someone's here, God loves you and Jesus loves you. And he loves you so much that he died for you. He died for me. He died for every single person in here. And, and I'm thankful for that love and grace and mercy that, that only he can extend us through the cross on Calvary. And that's exactly what this song is about. So it's not out of place when, you, when you're doing it as a, as a worship song in a church house. But when you're out in a bar, honky-tonk, where or that's not where someone came to, to hear about Jesus that night, then, then it definitely sticks out. It's, uh, it, it's the salt. But I don't think that we have to take it much further than that when, when you just kind of let the, let the Holy Spirit lead and, and you just pray that, 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 that it'll touch someone or reach someone or open their eyes to, to something that, that they may not have even considered before. And we didn't write it with the intent of, of singing it around Easter. It just kind of happened that way and, and is appropriate for the occasion, I guess. Well, some folks are born to be shepherds. Some folks are born to be king. Some folks are born to be carpenters. Some are born to catch fish on a stream. 
But we all get the chance to do wonderful things with our lives All because of what one man did for you and I He could have fought back the soldiers that beat him He could have left that cross in the street he could have held back the arms that drove those nails in the palms of his hands and his feet. He could have walked right off that hill without blinking an eye. But he was born to die. See, we're all born just a sinner. Through him we're all so much more And even though he was born in a stable He grew up to become our Lord And he could have fought back the soldiers that beat him He could have left that cross in the street He could have held back the arms That drove those nails In the palms of his hands and his feet he could have walked right off that hill without blinking an eye But he was born to die He could have fought back the soldiers that beat him He could have left that cross in the street he could have held back the arms that drove those nails in the palms of his hands and his feet. He could have walked right off that hill without blinking an eye. But here's the most important part of the song, y'all. You see, three days later, he rose up, and right now he's alive. But Jesus was born to die. Yeah, he was born to die For you and I Did you catch those words there? He could have, he could have, he could have He could have walked away from it all He, he could have said, no way These people don't deserve it he, he could have, but he didn't, and he was born to die. This is the Sunday that's the entrance into Holy Week, and we didn't plan for Curtis to be here at this time. We didn't plan for him to be here this morning till Thursday, but so fitting. And, and I, I believe that God always uses this stuff. You know, Scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 21 that Jesus was entering Jerusalem, and he knew what was going to happen. He knew exactly what was going to happen, and he did this really odd thing. He turned to a couple of the disciples and he said, hey guys, I want you to um, go into this little town up here, into the edge of Jerusalem, and I want you to grab a donkey and there's going to be uh, a colt and I want you to bring him to me. And these guys must have been like, you want us to steal a donkey? Like, Jesus, that's just weird. And, uh, and Jesus, you know, you want to talk to my psychologist? Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I mean, everyone thinks you're weird, but now we know it. But they didn't do that. 
You see, they'd been walking with Jesus for three years, and they'd seen all kinds of things, and they had been times where they doubted, and they wondered what was going on. And, and they had to decide, are we going to trust Jesus? And they chose after everything that they saw, even though um, Jesus had been telling them, hey, this isn't going to go well, and they didn't understand all of that, but they chose to trust him. And so there's that command, go and do this, even though it's not going to make sense. And that command goes all the way back to the prophet Zechariah in Zechariah chapter 9. And so there's a command and there's a prophecy and they didn't know how all of this would connect and they had to choose, is, is hey, am, am I going to do this even though it doesn't make sense? And, and you know, there's a, a command is always an invitation. And a lot of times the command seems so soft that, that we wonder if it's even a command, but God, come and follow me. It was a gentle, it's your, it's your choice, but come and follow me. And every single one of the disciples had to decide whether they were going to respond to that, that gentle command that also included an invitation. And, and they did, obviously not all of them, because one of them would betray Jesus. And in that crowd that day, as Jesus is going into Jerusalem, and you think, why did people gather on the outside of Jerusalem? Well, they knew Jesus was coming, and they'd heard about him, and they'd seen things over the years. And so they, they hear someone said, hey, Jesus is, is coming to Jerusalem. And so the people gather outside of town, and they wonder what's going to go on. And, and what they didn't know is that they were going to be a part of prophecy fulfilled. That for thousands of years, Isaiah and Jeremiah and guys like Zechariah had said, is there will be a king who comes and he will be savior. And they thought, they thought that it would just be another human like all of them. And they thought, particularly at this time, that he would free them from their oppressors at that time, Rome. And Zechariah had said that. They knew to be expecting someone. In Zechariah chapter 9, he, he pointed to this, this king who would come. Interestingly, if you go to Zechariah chapter 14, it's not just any king. Yes, it is a king who is fully human, but it is also the Lord of lords. And that there will be a time where God will confirm everything that he's ever said through the prophets and will confirm that that this is the one who came for each one of us. Scripture says that he's Lord of lords and that someday every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is the Lord. And we don't understand the sovereignty of God and how he brings all of that together, but we do understand this is a very broken world, right? Take a look at the news for an hour and you'll see the effects of sin and the destruction that that brings to lives. And if you're really honest with yourself and you spend an hour thinking about the stuff that's in your life and in your heart, if you really look close, is there will be that time of conviction and to decide whether to go from conviction to commitment. Jesus was committed before you ever knew it. God loved you before you ever knew it. And he was committed to go all the way into Jerusalem knowing that even that day, people standing in the crowd, some were there to celebrate and say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And others were there saying, who who does this guy think he is? It says that all of Jerusalem was stirred 
that morning. Matthew 21.10. But not too many days later, the plot, the betrayal, the arrest, Peter say, no, no, I don't know this man. And Jesus hanging on the cross for us. Maybe your story's a little bit like Curtis and, and um, the, at some point you made a commitment to Christ and you've struggled with uh, really following him. And this is just a, hey God, I, I want to be committed to you, not myself. Not my own life. And so God, um, I want to say sorry once again. I want to follow you. Be my Lord. Be my Lord. Thank you for forgiveness. And if that's you this morning, you can just say is, is yes. Really, that's, you know, the command is, is come and follow me. It's gentle. And you can just accept that invitation and say yes. And so maybe that's the case. Or maybe you've never really, you've never really said, Jesus, thank you. This is a pretty yucky world. It's really easy to see right now, given what's going on. And this is why you came. This is why you stepped out of heaven. It's because of the brokenness and the hurt and the pain and the wars and death and all of that. You stepped out for this. And Lord, I've been living for myself and I want to say sorry. Forgive me for my sins. I say yes, I'll follow you. Let's let's close with prayer. Would you bow your heads? You know, if you've if you've never committed your life to Christ, if you've just never said, is, is, hey, if you've never moved from that conviction, is, is, I know that this world is broken, and you may not understand everything. You may not understand how this all works. That'll come. But um, if, if you're just looking at the world and even at yourself and saying, Lord, this is messy. When we do this on our own, it's just messy. And so, Lord, would you forgive me for my sin, and would you be... Would you be the one, the only one that I can really trust? And I want to do that today. I want to say I trust you. And I want to move from conviction to commitment. If that's your desire, if you haven't done that, is just, you know, Scripture says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. And even I'll know that you're saying that, that you're confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that he is Lord. Is just, um, just you know, stick your hand up or look at me, and let me know that that's the desire of your heart right now. Anyone, just hand up. I see that. Thank you. Yeah, and just look. Yep, I see that. Yeah. Yep, I see that. Yeah. And if you've been struggling your walk with Christ and kind of doing your own thing, and you want to say, "Is is Lord, I." I just haven't been all that serious. And I want, I want that greater commitment. I want to follow you more. If that's your desire, if you just stick your hand up or look at me, that would be great. Yep, I see those. There's five, six. Yep, thank you. Thank you. 
Yeah, so good. Father and Lord God, you're so good and you're so gracious, Lord, and we don't always understand it. We don't understand how all of this maybe happened in the way that it did, but we understand that you're the only perfect father out there. And that we can call you father because you literally gave us life and breath along with everything that we can see and hear. And so, Lord, we, we thank you for that. Is, is Thank you for being the perfect father that we need. And then thank you for, for seeing ahead of time that there's no way that we could, that we could save ourselves and, and that Jesus willingly stepped out of heaven and lived the life that we couldn't live. And on that day when he walked in Jerusalem, he coulda, he coulda, he coulda, he coulda walked away, and he did not. And Lord, his commitment to us was greater than we can ever commit back. But Lord, there's been commitments this morning. And I thank you for those. And Father, there's a whole bunch of stories in here. And Father, I pray that that even right now, everyone here would just say, God, I just want your work in my life and I want you to use, um, use my life just to reach out to my friends and my family and my community or whatever it might be, Lord, is just use it. Help me not to live for myself. It's just too easy to go that way. And so help me to honor you. And Father, may you just, Lord, just protect all of us, but protect, Lord, those that made a first-time commitment to you. Protect them, Lord, because... There's just so many doubts that come in. And Lord, for those that have just said, hey, I just want to take this really seriously. Father, I pray that you would just, that you just strengthen them and Lord, strengthen all of us. And so Lord, we give you our hearts and our lives and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.